AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Is it what Kyler Murray has asked for? Hey, go, go get me Marvin Harrison Jr. and bring him here. He gets away from Josh Sweat. Keeps the play alive. Ross for Connor. One-handed catch. What a day for James Connor. 97 up. Nine, All right, Father, time do it. Eight. Seven. Look at that. Six, 100. Five. Caden Carlisle puts up a three to get them 100 points against Arizona. And Charles, they are not attempting a field goal. You're looking at a 53-54 yard attempt. Instead, it's a fourth and seven for Baltimore going for it. Thinking big numbers here, trying to really get out ahead in this game. Deep drop. Jackson, step, deliver. It's snagged by Likely. Isaiah Likely. For the touchdown! The four-man rush, Purdy. Nothing downfield. Smith Williams was chasing. Purdy gets out of there. Looking deep back in the end zone. He's got Ayuk for the touchdown. A little Purdy improv to keep the play alive and find his top target, Brandon Ayuk, for the score. Here we go. No more timeouts to take here. Game on the line. That's Williams in motion. Low snap. Melrose stopped. Michigan makes a stand and comes up with a milestone playoff victory. Gillis inside. Edie against Paulo. Bully in the sandbox. Put two more up. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Wednesday, February. This would be January, right? Kayla, confirmation it's January? It's, okay. it's January, January, yes. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Wednesday. I'm trying to get through January fast, you know, which is I shouldn't because January's fun because the NFL season's got some meaningful games and the playoffs are fun. But anyway, it is January 3rd. So welcome to the Wednesday, January 3rd edition of the Sports Zone, not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Castellux HD 2 100.7, the Cardinals. Has Kyler Murray done enough this season for the organization not to draft a quarterback in April? U of A basketball, has Tommy Lloyd's team been exposed from the NFL? Which number one seed is most likely not to reach the Super Bowl? Michigan football, should it be a big deal that Connor Stallion was in the stands on uh, at the Rose Bowl on Monday? And also, college hoops, what's caught your eye since early November? When the season began, which begins to seem really too early, but we've gone through that for 20 years. Uh, and also, what else has caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. 10-15, our first around college football, college basketball segment this season. 
We'll talk with Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports. We will cover lots of conferences and lots of teams in that next segment. 10.30 Interactive Action at 602-260-1060. Also the local roundup and some bottom line action. Uh, the uh, local roundup will have a little on the Cardinals victory. Uh, some of the stuff I didn't get to yesterday because I kind of mismanaged the uh, the uh, college football segment yesterday with David Kenyon from Bleacher Report, but we'll get in today what I didn't have time to get in yesterday and nobody played last night. And also the final segment of the sports, that'll be the National Roundup. Top by rip from the headlines and uh, from the wire. And we'll also a little on the CFP championship game in that National Roundup segment today. Then after the sports zone from 11 to 1 o'clock, it's the extra point hosted by Kayla, including more phone call time. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, has Kyler Murray done enough this season for the Cardinals not to uh, select a quarterback with their first pick of the 2024 NFL draft? And Kayla, as you already heard, is here and has the early returns. I do. And yes, leading the way. 75% of the vote, no trailing at 25%. Murray, when last seen, was tremendous on uh, Sunday's uh, the surprising victory at Philadelphia. I thought that was one of Murray's best and certainly one of his most accurate games of his career. But before that game on Sunday, he had two awful games until garbage time in the losses to the 49ers and the Bears. However, Cardinals coach Jonathan Gannon declared on Monday that there is no doubt that Murray will return next season. Today's Twitter poll question, has the University of Arizona basketball team been exposed the last four games? Three of those are losses. Uh, Kayla, once again, has the early returns. I do indeed, and over on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060, or I guess maybe we should start calling it X here in 2024. I don't know. Uh, but yes, leading the way. That's your call on that. <sighs> okay. I got I to I change my script and my brain, but uh, that could be both. That could be a problem in two ways. I mean, yeah, you can still go to Twitter.com, but then there's no like reference to it anywhere. It just has the big old X, so maybe we should attempt to do that in 2024. We'll see how that unfolds. Mm. Uh, yes, mm. though, leading the way at 68. 8.8% of the vote, no trailing at 31.3% KDOS AM 1060. Change sometimes sucks, whether whatever year it is. Okay. Uh, the Wildcats, they were ranked number one and unbeaten uh, and before their game against Purdue on December the 16th. Starting with that loss, Tommy Lloyd's team has lost three of the last four games. Meanwhile, spanning the globe from the NFL, let me bring this back from Tuesday. The Ravens and 49ers, are, uh, they clinched number one seeds on Sunday. Which number one seed is least likely uh, to be knocked out and not reach the Super Bowl? The Ravens or 49ers. Meanwhile, Michigan cannot avoid controversy uh, even after the impressive physical and athletic domination of Alabama on Monday. Uh, there was uh, That was derailed some, the elation of that victory. Derailed a little, little, at least a little bit, with the discussion about former U of of M staffer Connor Stallion. He was in the stands uh, in the uh, spotted at the Rose Bowl on Monday. Of course, he was the center of the sign stealing scandal. 
So should it be a big deal that Connor Stallion was actually at the Rose Bowl in Michigan's win over Alabama? College football will be a big part of this show uh, through the Final Four in Glendale. That's right, the Final Four is in Glendale, if you did not know. And that's April four, uh, April 6th, the Saturday semifinals, and the championship game on Monday, April the 8th. Uh, so what's caught your eye the first roughly eight weeks of the college basketball season? Also, in addition to all these excellent topics and questions, what else caught your eye since our last show? That's the pipeline for today with those tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion category, so whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. I guess I violated those words because I used the word Twitter again. So I'll try to try to clean that up in the future. You and I both. Coming up. Yeah, okay. Well, it's, I feel better if you're doing it. So, you know, in fact, I almost feel like I should keep doing it if you if you did it. All right, coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by college basketball. We're going to talk about all about college basketball between now and the uh, you know, the end of the first week of April, as I mentioned, Kevin Flaherty from 24-7 Sports scheduled to join us. We will cover many teams in many conferences. We'll certainly get to the University of Arizona at some point in the next segment. So stay tuned for that. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, it'll be phone call time. General discussion, 602-260-1060, plus the local roundup. Top by... Uh, yeah, and also a little bottom line thing, but uh, the local roundup topped by what I didn't get to on Tuesday's show because of poor clock management by the host. That would be me, and trust me, I'm raising my hand right now because what else could I do? You're listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD 2 100.7. Bringing you the latest sports topics weekly right here on KDUS AM 1060 with me, the Doug Gottlieb Show, 1 to 3 p.m. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD 2 100.7. Your home of the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. It's been almost uh, two months since the start of the college basketball season. It's still three months before the Final Four in Glendale at State Farm Stadium. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joining the sports zone for, uh, well, actually, what have we learned, basically, uh, the, the first, you know, since early November when the season started. We're now joining the sports zone by Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports. Then, Kevin, good to have you back on the show again. Look forward uh, to chatting during the rest of the college basketball season. Let's start with uh, defending champ, champ UConn, 12-2. After they uh, you know, routed lowly DePaul on Tuesday night, Donovan Klingon uh, still a sideline because of an injury. What's your evaluation of Danny Hurley's team at this point? Yeah, I think they're really good, you know, and they haven't been at full strength for for very long. When you look at the Stephon Castle injury that kept him out for for quite a bit, and then the Donovan Klingon injury that that followed up on that, and even when Donovan Klingon was out there. 
you know, you heard some stuff about, well, maybe the conditioning isn't quite the best. He hasn't quite taken the step forward that a lot of people expected. And, and a lot of people thought that, hey, this, this is a guy that may play his way into game shape. And so you, you hope to some extent he's only going to be out for, for part of this month. And so you hope that he's able to, to work his way back and not have that be an issue. On the flip side, we've seen how many times these injuries at midseason, as crazy as it sounds, can a lot of times be benefits for teams because guys who haven't been asked to step up, who haven't been asked to play major roles, all of a sudden they have to do so, and a lot of times that can help facilitate and build depth for March. And so, you know, it's one of those things that I think – I'm interested to see what UConn looks like in, in late February, as I'm sure everybody does. But, you know, once Castle gets used to, to his role there, I, I think against DePaul it was probably his best outing since coming back from the injury. And once you get Klingon back it, as well, UConn could, uh, could look even better than they have so far. Is it accurate for me to assume that Marquette is UConn's biggest competition in the Big East? Yeah, I think so. It, it's tough to tell because uh, because of Villanova's Jekyll and Hyde, right? I mean, Villanova has looked at times this year like, hey, last year was just a blip. This is going to be a team that's going to give people a, a lot of trouble this year. And then all of a sudden, you know, they, they wind up playing another Catholic school and, and really, really struggling. And, and it's kind of out of nowhere. And so... You know, I, I do think that it's probably Marquette. Marquette is probably the most complete of the other Big East contenders. The thing with Marquette is they get so much off of turning people over that it scares you a little bit, and that I think that Marquette is a little bit vulnerable when they don't turn teams over. And that doesn't happen that often because they're so good at it. But when you think about the way that March plays out so often, it's at a slower pace. You know, it's people take care of the ball more. They prize possessions more. They're usually executing at a higher level. I, I think that's what scares me a little bit in terms of declaring Marquette sort of a Final Four contender at this point. It's just you get into that situation, you wind up playing somebody that's not handing you, you know, these quote-unquote pick six turnovers where you can get out and <laughs> and run it and generate offense all of the – all of a sudden, you know, Marquette looks a little bit more vulnerable, I think, in those sorts of games than, than maybe some of the other contenders. Purdue uh, won by 14 last night, ended Maryland's 19-game home court winning streak, uh, really with ease, obviously, with that margin. Is this season's Purdue team different than the one that we've witnessed in March and uh, the years with Matt Painter and even going back to Gene Cady, for that matter? Yeah, I think so. I, I think this is probably the closest Purdue team to the one that that lost to Virginia, you know, at, at the in overtime in, in 2019. When you look at that team, that very easily could have reached the Final Four. Some would argue should have reached the Final Four with Carson Edwards, and they don't have a Carson Edwards, so to speak, but they do have guards that have played off and on at a Big Ten level. When you look at the way that Braden Smith has played at times. Fletcher Lawyer has had big games in some key situations. And, you know, I was really impressed, as weird as it sounds, in their win over Alabama. Alabama hit 19 three-pointers in that game. And teams that had made 19 three-pointers in a game 
had won the previous 85 games in college basketball. Wow. Purdue went on to win that game, break that 85-game winning streak, even with the other team shooting from the outside like that. I think that really speaks a lot in terms of how good that team is, how balanced the scoring is, even with Zach Eady obviously fighting off as much as he does. I think this is a really good team, and with that backcourt play, you know, if they don't reach at least the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, it it would be a shock to me. And I think that they're built to go, you know, further than that. Okay, so who else from the Big Ten should we uh, be paying attention to? And does Illinois, I know they were good last night, but without the suspended Terrence Shannon, maybe for the rest of the season, how do they factor in? Yeah, Illinois would seem to be the, the second best contender in that league, but I'm not sure you can say that without Shannon they've played in two games without him they've looked pretty good without him but you know history and statistics usually tell us that teams are kind of okay playing without their star player for a game or two you know a lot of times the guy who has to step into that spot plays pretty well for a game or two and a lot of times quite frankly opponents aren't sure exactly how to deal with that team they've scouted a different team you know, up to that point, and then they're going to play differently. Where we see a star being out really starting to impact a team, you know, it's game four, game five on, when teams are like, okay, this is who Illinois is without Terrence Shannon. This is where the ball is going when he's not on the court. And so I, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to say, hey, Illinois can still be you know, that kind of team, even even with him out, I, I think it's still a, a wait-and-see mode. I think with him in, you know, obviously I, I think they're sort of the no-doubt number two contender in that league. But with him out, it, it kind of looks like Purdue, Purdue, and more Purdue. And, and I know that Wisconsin has, has had some good moments this year, you know, beating Marquette at home and things like that. I just don't see the Badgers being quite that good this year. Once again, Purdue, uh, you know, they handed Arizona its first loss of the season, but Tommy Lloyd's team since that loss has been bad on defense and lost three out of four. So Arizona, reason for concern or no big deal? And also, how many Pac-12 teams do you think are NCAA tournament worthy, uh, you know, roughly, you know, two months before selection Sunday? Yeah, the defense has been shocking, right? Because I think if you look at, you know, Ken Palm and the different things like that at Arizona still has a top 10 defense, but those of us who have been watching, you know, you guys have, I, I have, you know, it, it does not look like a top 10 defense and it hasn't for the last five games sort of since that Wisconsin game, you look at the Florida Atlantic game, you know, that was a game where FAU was really able to, to sort of spread Arizona out and attack individual matchups, you know, Stanford, mm-hmm. I get that Stanford made 16 of 25 threes. I get that teams are usually going to win when they shoot like that. At the same time, I didn't think Arizona's defense did enough to sort of influence that game and influence those proceedings. And so you have a defense that, you know, on one hand, somebody looks at it and says, oh, you shouldn't be worried about it. You're number eight in the country or whatever. But I don't think that it's been anywhere near that here of late and I do think that they need to find some answers on that end as far as the Pac-12 in general you know I think obviously Arizona you know Oregon I think is trending in the right direction Um, Utah I think is there in Colorado and so that's that's kind of who I have at that point and it's 
it's a little bit, you know, it, it's a little bit sad that you don't have, you know, USC, UCLA. And at that point, obviously, USC is extremely talented. It hasn't clicked for the Trojans yet. Uh, UCLA and Mick Cronin, I trust. But this just sort of seems to be one of those years where I think they're they're kind of a, a program in transition to, to maybe their next group of guys a little bit. And, and they haven't been, you know, UCLA in all caps this season. U of A and Colorado, by the way, play tomorrow night in Tucson. So that'll be fun. Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 yeah, yeah. Sports is – yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, K.J. Yeah. Simpson's playing as good a point guard as anybody yeah. in the country. So that should be a That's lot true. of fun. Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports, currently in the sports zone. The Big 12, four teams in the top 12. Uh, you know, long-time guy, you know, members, Kansas and OU, are second and 12th, respectively. The newcomers – Houston and BYU are third and 12th, at least in the current AP poll this week. So handicap the Big 12 for us. Yeah, I think Kansas and Houston are kind of ahead of the pack a little bit. I know Kansas doesn't show up super well in efficiency matrix. They kind of play with their food a little bit, which can be dangerous if it lasts the, the entire season. But you look at how well they play when they close teams out, you know, they're I, I kind of joke around that their three-point percentage this year feels like it's about 20% for the first 35 minutes of a game and about 60% in the final five minutes. So they, they make shots when it counts. But at the same time, you'd like to see them, you know, put teams away a little bit more. I, I think Houston's really, really good. You know, they've got a terrific backcourt that plays off of each other really well. They remind me a little bit, uh, stylistically at least, of the 2017 North Carolina team that won it all in terms of that team really just generated more shots than their opponents because they were so good on the offensive glass. They were so much better than their opponents in turnover rate too that you know you look at that Final Four, I think one of the Final Four games North Carolina had 19 more shots than their opponent. And you're generally going to win when you take 19 more shots than your opponent. Houston's very similar to that. BYU, I just am not sure how much I can trust them yet. And I get they've been really good this year. They've been really efficient this year. They brought back the Big 12's most experienced team. But they aren't experienced within the Big 12. And so it's I'll be watching that team incredibly closely over the first few games to to sort of see how all of that holds up. A, a team that that isn't quite in that top four group that I think merits watching is Texas because Texas just recently got Dylan DeSue back. He was a guy that was playing at an All-America level at the end of last year before he got hurt, mm-hmm. and he's been uh, he's been scoring a, at a major rate since uh, since he returned to the court this year and I think he he takes that Texas team up a notch and so I think they're another team that's kind of on that you know fringe of contending for that big 12 title and could wind up putting their name in there Tennessee and Kentucky the highest ranked SEC teams what's your analysis of those two and uh, you know anybody from the SEC catch your attention yeah so Kentucky's interesting in that here, here's a, another stat. No team since Arizona in 1997 has won a national title without returning at least three multi-game starters from the year before. 
That's how long it's been. And Kentucky only brought back one of those guys in Antonio Reeves. And so that tells you, hey, maybe this team doesn't have what it takes to, to cut down the nets in March, but they're really, really good. And those freshmen are extremely precocious. They play at a level of maturity that's well above what you would expect from a freshman class. And, and quite frankly, this freshman class in general wasn't very good. And so when you look at the class rankings and things like that and where the players sat in those rankings, it wasn't like we expected this to be an Anthony Davis, Michael Kick, Gilchrist, you know, type of Kentucky team. And yet they play really well together. Reed Shepard has far per- outperformed, I think, any expectations anybody had of him, maybe even his own parents. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think that when you look at, at the SEC race, uh, I think it does come down a little bit to Kentucky and Tennessee. It seems a little more open than that, but Tennessee is so deep. Zakai Ziegler is really starting to, to kind of find his rhythm now. And with Dalton Connect being there, they've got a player that Tennessee, quite frankly, hasn't had that many of over the last five years. And, and that's a guy that can go get a big bucket for them whenever the offense is struggling. And if we know anything about these, these Rick Barnes teams, and I covered Rick at, at Texas, it's that, hey <laughs> – they're going to defend, they're going to be really physical, but they're probably going to go through some periods where the offense is pretty clunky. And so having a guy like Connect on that team maybe adds an element that they haven't had in previous years where they've been bounced out maybe a little bit earlier than people thought. I watched Duke in North Carolina last night. Not really sure what I think of those two teams, quite frankly, but you know those schools in Clemson are ranked this week. Miami certainly has had recent NCAA tournament success, so how do you break down the ACC? Miami terrifies me because I don't think the defense is nearly good enough, and it wasn't, it wasn't great last year, but at the same time, it's one of those things where the offense – isn't as good at Miami as it has been either. And so, you know, for a team that, that comes out and, and basically says, hey, we're going we're gonna to shoot better than you this game and that's the way that we win, that's not how you win in March. That's not the way that you go a long way in March because no team makes shots, you know, in so many consecutive games to, to go a long way. And so that's what scares me there. Duke is really interesting because they may be the most talented team in the country, you know, in terms of their starting lineup. Literally, it's five former five-star guys. And, you know, they've got more of those guys on the bench as well. You're just getting Tyrese Proctor back from injury. Uh, Kyle Filipowski, I think, has taken a major step forward this year. I I think they're probably the ACC's best team. I do like Clemson a lot and maybe even Clemson more than North Carolina. Clemson is kind of, I've referred to Purdue as kind of an NBA team, not in terms of the talent that they have, but the way that they're built. Because NBA teams are built around a superstar or two, and then you kind of surround them with role guys and guys who can move the ball, make shots, and and things like that. Clemson is very much that team around P.J. Hall, and if you can't match up with P.J. Hall, then they're going to put you into some really nasty scramble drills where you're going to have to double-team him, and, and he's very comfortable passing that ball out, and they've got a lot of shooting around him. And so I, I think Clemson is a team that, that's fascinating because they are really connected and, and they do play well together. 
Last up, and uh, we're talking with Kevin Flaherty, talking college hoops or 24-7 sports, Gonzaga. Nine and four, don't really have a quality win. The SC, uh, the WCC is definitely down, including St. Mary's, uh, with you know head coach and Valley product Randy Bennett. Uh, they're even average at best this season. So the uh, the WCC is it a one big league this year? Yeah, I think it, I think it might be, and you know I I had a, a tough time heading into this season. You know I I think. In my preseason top 25, I think I had Gonzaga and St. Mary's within a spot of each other because I thought St. Mary's had a chance to be pretty special this year. And I thought Gonzaga was going to take a half step back, but not the, you know, the two steps back that, that maybe that, uh, that program has. And like you said, you know, the lack of quality wins in the non-conference, that's never been an issue for Gonzaga, at least not recently. Uh, with the way that they challenge themselves in the schedule and, and all the teams that they take on, they've always been able to get a few of them, if not outright, run through, you know, several power programs. But there's there's something missing in Spokane this season. And, and when you watch that team, they aren't as efficient offensively. They don't just kill you on that end, which is something that we're used to seeing. And, you know, I get that it's the first year post-Drew Timmy era, you know, Drew Timmy was was such a tremendous player there, such an efficient scorer around the rim and everything. But Gonzaga actually has to work to score now. And I'm just – you look at the West Coast Conference schedule and I'm just not sure that Gonzaga has a runway to head into March where they fix a lot of the issues that, that we're seeing right now. Because the defense isn't bad especially you know for a Gonzaga team but the offense is just nowhere near what it what it has been and quite frankly you know it's to the point that I think some people are starting to wonder whether a big part of the reason Gonzaga isn't Gonzaga is because such a key part of that building job and and a guy who helped keep him up near the top there has has a top 10 top 15 team in Arizona yeah no I don't think there's any doubt that they missed Tommy Lloyd to some extent for sure all right, Absolutely. Kevin, great stuff. Look forward to talking to you throughout this uh, season and the next few months here. Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot, Bob. Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports. Excellent stuff. And uh, we will have many, many, many college basketball segments. This was our first one of the current season. Next segment will be phone call time. General discussion if you want to jump aboard, 602 260-1060 also get to a little local roundup, including uh, what I didn't get to, at least some of it, on Tuesday. Uh, time to uh, get to a little bottom line from the non-poll questions uh, from today's pipeline. And uh, whatever else I can jam in in the next segment. If you want to get in, though, general discussion, 602-260-1060. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and KISS Lux HD2 100.7. AM 1060 is the home to the Dan Patrick Show, the Doug Gottlieb Show, and Sports Map Radio. Catch all the sports content here on AM 1060. 
It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7 in addition to the local roundup. It is phone call time if you want to get in. 602-260-1060. General discussion to the KDUS hotline 602-260-1060. All right, first up, a little bottom line action here. Uh, answer the uh, pipeline questions, the non-poll questions, if you're just tuning in the poll questions today, which we will answer during the noon hour, the extra point hosted by Kayla. The day's questions are the KDUS1060.com poll question is, has Kyler Murray done enough this season for the Cardinals not to select a quarterback with their first pick of the 2024 NFL draft? Twitter poll question, uh, has the University of Arizona basketball team been exposed during the last four games? They've lost three of those four games. We'll answer, as once again, those questions during the uh, the noon hour of the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. Meanwhile, let's uh, get to the uh, bottom line and the uh, rest of today's pipeline questions. Which number one seed is most likely not to reach the Super Bowl in the NFL? The Ravens or the 49ers? The bottom line I think the Ravens are most likely not to reach the Super Bowl because, one, there are more good teams in the AFC, and two, the Niners are not going to lose at home or probably uh, anywhere uh, against anybody in the AFC. They've already taken care of the major contenders during the regular season, but uh, hard for me to imagine them losing, assuming they're healthy, and McCaffrey is not going to play at least this week, but... Assuming they're healthy, I don't think they're losing to the Cowboys, Lions, or Eagles. Meanwhile, uh, is it a big deal that Connor Stallion was at the uh, Rose Bowl win over uh, Michigan's Rose Bowl win over Alabama? The bottom line, uh, nobody should really care whether Connor Stallion was at the Rose Bowl on Monday. Michigan was the more physical team, which did not surprise me. They were the more athletic team, which was somewhat surprising, against Alabama. Also, what else has caught your eye during the first two weeks of the college basketball season? And we certainly covered a lot of that, uh, the early season college basketball slate in the last segment with Kevin Flaherty. And uh, so we've kind of combined some of my thoughts and got his opinion on a lot of the better teams and most of the major conferences in college basketball. All right, that's the bottom line for today. On to the local roundup we go. And some things I just didn't have time to get to yesterday, but we're going to do it now. The Cardinals certainly recorded one of the biggest surprises of the NFL season. They dominated the second half on Sunday at Philadelphia. They were 12.5-point underdogs. They trailed 21-6 at halftime, but scored touchdowns in all four second-half possessions and dominated the time of possession in the 35-31 victory. Uh, For the game, the Cardinals had 32 first downs on 72 snaps. That's an amazing ratio. They possessed the ball for 39 minutes and 33 seconds. James Conner had a season-high 26 carries for 128 yards. The Cardinals rushed for 221 yards. Kyler Murray, after two poor performances and the losses to the 49ers and the Bears, was accurate. He completed 81% of his passes, 25 out of 31, for 167 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. I really don't think that interception was his fault. I think it looked like Michael Wilson just was running the wrong route. There was confusion for sure. They were not in sync on that pass route, which resulted in a pick six. So I really wouldn't put that on Murray. Also, I don't think there's any doubt. I did not look this up. My apologies. But uh, it seemed like Murray was under center 
much more in this game with much higher frequency than we've seen the majority of his career, certainly, and this season. You know, before this year, he was almost never under center in the Kingsbury era, uh, but he was under center a lot on Sunday, it seemed at least. Meanwhile, up next, the Cardinals are three-and-a-half-point underdogs in the season finale in Glendale against the Seahawks, who have lost uh, five of their last seven games, but somehow still remain alive in the playoff situation. Meanwhile, the other card- there was other Cardinals news here in the last few weeks, a free few days, I should say, over the last week. Hollywood Brown was placed on the injured list with the heel injury that has really plagued him for much of the season and certainly in the past several weeks. Also last week, they said goodbye to the seldom above-average corner Marco Wilson. Yet another Steve Kime draft mistake. So Wilson gone. He was claimed, by the way, by the New England Patriots. And also Zach Ertz, who was waived by the Cardinals on November the 30th, uh, remains unsigned which I think confirms our early season assessment that the 33-year-old tied in, not close to the same player that he was uh, before his 2022 season-ending ACL injury. Also from the local roundup, the Suns have won four straight, including three wins in the last four games at home against the Hornets. The The Magic aren't bad, by the way. The Hornets are bad, and the Blazers are really bad. Uh, so those are the games that they've won over these three teams. Kevin Durant did not play Monday night because of what uh, was called hamstring soreness. Uh, prior to the winning streak, the, car- the Suns excuse me, had lost five of their previous six games with the lone win against the 23-26 and Washington Wizards. Uh, the Suns are 3-0 and zero to start this, season, this, uh, you know, this road trip here. Excuse me, this homestand, I should say. Six-game homestand. And that coincides with Bradley Beal's return. Beal returned from a uh, yeah, ankle injury. Uh, you actually, remember, he, goes, he returned from his back injury on December the 14th. Uh, actually, the 15th, my bad on that. 15th. Uh, yeah, but then he went down four minutes into the game with an ankle injury. And then didn't play until last Friday night. And they're now 3-0 and zero since he's returned. Uh, the six uh, the six game homestand continues tonight against the 19 and 12 Clippers. Uh, the Suns at last look as of about an hour ago, three and a half point home underdogs in that game. Meanwhile, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the the Diamondbacks have been very busy over the last 24 hours. Uh, they you know they've signed three players uh, in the last 24 hours. Shortstop Kevin Newman, uh, catcher Tucker Barnhart. And also left-handed pitcher Logan Allen. Newman is a U of A alum. He's an excellent backup utility player. He has experience at all four infield positions. Barnhart uh, should be the Diamondbacks' backup catcher. This could be a big upgrade from what we saw last year. He's won gold gloves as a starter with the Reds in his career. And uh, that seems to be a perfect addition to the uh, you know, basically the roster Meanwhile, Allen was the Padres' top pitching prospect, but that was several years ago. He has struggled at the major league level. All right, next segment, we'll wrap up the sports zone with the national roundup for today. Don't forget the uh, extra point coming up uh, in the next two hours, hosted by Kayla. We'll have more phone call time, 602-260-1060, among many things, so stay tuned for that. Also in the next segment, uh, after the update with Corey, the news update with Corey, we'll have the National Roundup, as I mentioned. 
That will include a little college football playoff championship game update. And also a little combination of rip from the headlines and from the wire, whatever else we can jam in in the next segment. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7. Interact with Bob Kemp's poll question on KDUS1060.com. That's KDUS1060.com. And while you're there, check out Bob Kemp's bottom line at KDUS1060.com. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD2 100.7. Before we get to the National Roundup, we have some Cardinals breaking news. Left tackle D.J. Humphreys tore his ACL in the Sunday victory at Philadelphia. That's usually a, a 9- to 12-month rehab. Uh, Darren Urban uh, reporting this, longtime uh, Cardinals reporter Darren Urban, and a really nice guy, Darren Urban. Uh, among, uh, the first thing that I saw if it was came, came from him. Uh, so, uh, obviously, like the Cardinals I've mentioned, they need to use Paris Johnson to guard anyway. And uh, this is a great, supposedly a great offensive line class, and they need to take advantage of that even before this Humphreys injury. But certainly I think that this would alter their, you know, set their process with their two first-round picks this upcoming year. All right, on to the national roundup we go. The uh, latest line begins with the CFP championship game uh, Monday night in Houston. And uh, Michigan opened a three-and-a-half-point favorite up to four-and-a-half, even a couple of fives in a couple of the casinos in Las Vegas in the last look, which was just moments ago uh, in the uh, championship game, Michigan against uh, Washington. Total in that game, uh, 54-and-a-half was the opening number that's been banged up to 55-and-a-half. Uh, Washington's leading rusher, Dylan Johnson, is uh, reportedly will, quote, suit up for the championship game. Suit up is different than will play. Uh, so we'll see if that uh, status changes. Uh, we'll see how that goes. It, certainly, you know, he's been plagued by this lower leg thing for weeks, uh, even during the regular season and the time off between the end of the regular season and the uh, CFP semifinal certainly, unfortunately, did not help his situation. I'm actually looking to bet this game under the total. Uh, hopefully it'll hit 56, and I'm thinking that I'm confident it's going to hit 56 because the general public, I'm guessing, usually in the high-profile games, they bang the over no matter what the sport. Uh, so I'm hoping that it hits 56 at some point. And if it goes to 56, I'll bet a little of it under at that point, and then hopefully it'll go higher, and I'll you know, bang some more money on the under whenever it goes higher. All right, rip from the headlines and a little from the wire combination here. The NFL on Tuesday find millionaire Patriots owner David Tepper a measly $300,000 for unacceptable conduct after he threw a drink at a Jags fan after uh, the Sunday loss uh, for the Panthers, the latest Panthers loss, which actually clinched the number one pick of the draft for the Chicago Bears. Bill Belichick on uh, on uh, Tuesday refused to answer when asked 
if Sunday's game versus the Jets will be his last as the Patriots head coach. Speaking of the Jets, on Tuesday they waved uh, the apparel over the hill running back uh, Dalvin Cook, who really, uh, you know, he he thinks he's going to catch on with a playoff team. I'm sure I would assume he's going to clear waivers first, and then we'll see if he catches on. But he looks like he's just shot, uh, which is what the Vikings pretty much thought and said, not officially, but uh, their actions certainly spoke uh, that uh, they thought he was done. And uh, he has shown nothing with the Jets, even though you, you know the offensive line is not good for the Jets. So maybe he hasn't got a sufficient chance, but we'll see. Back to the coaching staff stuff. Sean McVay announced, uh, you know, basically ended any retirement talk, at least for now. He made a, quote, promise that he'll be back for the Rams next season. And also the Cowboys, uh, you know, battered offensive line as we go into the stretch here, down to the end of the playoffs. They added some much-needed help on Tuesday when they brought back Lyle Collins and signed him to the practice squad. Also, Frank Ryan, who led the uh, Browns to the last NFL championship in 1964. He passed away yesterday at the age of 87 years old. Actually, on Monday, actually, he passed away. Frank Ryan, the 27-0 victor over the Baltimore Colts in the 1964 NFL championship game. I was there as a 7-year-old. Uh, my father went to college with Lou Groza at Ohio State, and we got Browns tickets quite a bit. And uh, Frank Ryan was the quarterback on that team, and he threw three touchdown passes to Gary Collins in the championship game. All right, stay tuned. The Extra Point's coming up next. Hosted by Kayla. Kayla.